So at some point as an entrepreneur, you have to have confidence. You just really have to believe in your team and it comes down to execution. Could what we're doing be replicated? Yeah. I mean, I, it would take people a while to figure it out. I mean, it's very proprietary what we're doing, but I don't live in that world of fear. I'm your host, Dave Knox, and this is Predicting the Turn, a show that helps business leaders meet their industry's inevitable disruption head on. Welcome to another episode of Predicting the Turn. Today, we sit down with Jonas Temple, who is the CEO and founder of Opapop. Jonas, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. For sure. Well, want to start with uh, you know the business and the brand. What is Opapop and where did the name come from? So Opapop, actually, we'll start with the name. I think the name was originated around, uh, it's very much related to the origins of the company itself. We actually just wanted to reimagine popcorn from the beginning. And so it was very important to us that we not only reinvented popcorn, but we invented a name that would kind of match with it. Um, this was such an ambitious goal to, and, and, and we say that very humbly to like reinvent popcorn sounds very ridiculous, admittedly. But we felt like the the category, and especially in the microwave sections, had lost some of the allure of what it was meant to be. And you know, having a long history in entrepreneurialism, uh, I just really fell in love with the idea of the category. And so the name randomly came to me in a dream. And that sounds ridiculous to say that, but it did. I was laying in bed. I'd been trying to work on this name for so long. And I ended up having this kind of half awake, half asleep moment where I kind of thought about this name and I got out of bed, went to, you know, GoDaddy, the website or the URL sales platform and looked to see if it was available. It felt like it was the craziest word I'd ever seen, uh, but it got a, it kind of had a, a tangent to popcorn. When I did, did a little deeper dive, what I realized is that the word could be attributed back to apollios, which is the Greek term for celebration. Well, you've probably heard it a million times with the opa. And so yeah, we really loved that anchor in celebration. And the true meaning of that word is actually to see a change in color. It's a coming of age term. And so, you know, it, we feel like that name actually manifests itself brilliantly when the kernels go from gold to white. So you you mentioned your the goal was kind of reinvent popcorn and you know if you look back your career has been about reinventing. So talk to me about you know what led you to this entrepreneurial journey and the companies that you were at beforehand. Sure. So I came out of college as a graphic designer. Uh, I worked in a couple of agencies in and around Denver for a few years and just really always had the desire to to work for myself. During that whole time of working in small agencies, I was carrying a pretty big workload of freelance, uh, like most graphic designers do. And I just eventually had enough freelance work to go do this on my own. So in 1996, I started an agency that grew actually pretty quick and it's called factory. We built it kind of in the spirit of action sports, uh, or active lifestyle cultures, kind of living on the fringe and randomly our first clients were rave parties around the world, actually. But what's funny about that is it was kind of this outlaw mentality of, you know, bringing this culture to life through through design. That led us to a lot of our first corporate clients who liked the radical design style we were doing. Uh, our first biggest client was Copper Mountain Resort here in Colorado. 
and we grew we grew really quick. Well, inside of that business, I, I guess probably eight years into it, I was I, I don't want to say I was bored because that sounds the wrong way, but I felt like we were building every other company's brands, and I just had this itch to do my own thing. Uh, I was also a professional DJ at that time, both having a ton of local residencies as a DJ, had a radio show, and traveled a bit as a touring DJ. And there was a transition happening in the marketplace um, where DJs were stopping playing analog content or vinyl and were playing digital. And so we built a business to supply content for that, for that DJ. That business is called Beatport. We launched that in 2004 and sold it in 2011. So that for me was my first really disruptive concept. It was an I, it was a business we built from zero from idea to exit, grew it to a $50 million a year brand and sold it. And shortly after that, I left and was recruited actually to Beats by Dre. And I worked with Jimmy and Dre on a regular basis and building what became Apple Music. At that time, it was called Daisy. It was codenamed. And it was a very stealth operation. As a matter of fact, the whole team that I built, which was the strangest thing I've ever been in, if you can imagine, I was interviewing and hiring people, but I could not tell them the name of the company or the product they would be working on. (laughs) So this is extremely stealth. So we built that business. I was there for about two and a half years and transitioned out as they were fixating and focusing more on the launch and the exit into Apple. And I just left me like, I saw the world in a completely different vision. I mean, you can imagine being in that environment and watching a brand like Beats scaling as fast as it was. It really opened my eyes to, you know, the, the entrepreneurial scale that, that you could achieve. In those meetings and, or sorry, in, inside of that business, I was doing the things that I do today. I was raising money. I was building brands. I was looking at products. I was trying to understand customers. And as an entrepreneur, you just get trained to, through that cycle. And when I left there, I just I didn't have a, a plan for myself. You know, it was such a whirlwind adventure. Honestly, I kind of needed a rest for a couple of years. And I was sitting at home watching a football game, and my co-founder of Beatport, uh, Brad Rouillet, he started asking me all these questions about, "Hey, don't you think we should start another company?" And, you know, do you think you have it in you? Do you want to do it? And I don't know. He was honestly eating a big bowl of popcorn and we were watching football. It's as simple as that. And I made a joke. I said, maybe we should make popcorn cool. And I don't know. It was a dumb little comment, but with a brain like mine, I just kind of locked onto it. And this was in 2016. And so, I don't know, for probably fall of 2016 time is when this conversation first started. And then we, we started iterating on this idea and pushing ourselves to like, you know, chat about it every couple of weeks or something. It wasn't anything we took super serious in the beginning. And then in 2017, we grabbed our third co-founder, a, a guy by the name of Alex McAvoy. And we started getting a little more serious about like, maybe this could be something. And then we had a big meeting at my house at the end of 2017, where I called like all these people that I trust together people that have been mentors in my life and people that I wanted to be involved in this. And we had a big meeting and I've kind of presented this idea and said, this is what we would like to do. Do you want to be involved? And it was a crazy moment. You know, we just decided to do it. So really the clock started ticking in, in January of 2018. We 
got an office space, raised a little bit of money from some friends and family and got to work on this business. And so when I, when I think about like stepping into this challenge of, you know, reinventing, or we call it the popcorn revolution or revolutionizing it for me, that, that is, that is the culmination of everything I've done in my career. And it's actually the perfect merger of those skills. I look at things, I think I have a unique mindset on this stuff where I can, I want to put together and connect the dots that I think would, would evangelize or recreate the passion and energy that popcorn has. It's such a big category. So many people love popcorn. And I just think the brands, with the exception of the ready to eat brands who have been more energetic lately, they just kind of gave up. And so we just saw that as a huge opportunity to step in, kind of take advantage of their complacency and, and see if we could spin a business. And it was that. Uh, so every single person that we recruited on this, at this company brings a skill set that the founding team doesn't have. And we actually just call everybody that joined part of that founding partnership. Because it, it's not really fair to say like Brad and I founded this company. It doesn't really work like that. You know, that's not that's never been my mindset. I don't I don't actually like being called just the founder because it connotates some sort of eliteness, like it wouldn't have happened without me. And I don't I don't appreciate that. That's not that's not who I am as a person. What I think that I do very well is build teams. And so what we've amassed is a team that is capable of taking on this challenge. And, you know, in that mindset, I feel much more comfortable. So when you think about this, uh, you know, high mission of revolutionizing popcorn, you know, where'd you guys start with the journey? What were the first things that you thought had to be changed with the popcorn industry? So the original mission of the business was to create an office-based system. Popcorn had largely been, a fresh popcorn had largely been locked out of offices because of the risk of microwaves. Microwave popcorn just burns very easily. Uh, it'll stink up the office. And once that happens, you know, once or twice, it's generally banned. And so we looked at that as an opportunity to bring fresh popcorn back as a regular snack into an office and not having to have one of those big kettles set up, which are hard to clean. And, you know, just, I don't know, just kind of like a, a small recreation of the theater environment. We wanted to make it simpler than that. We actually made it very far down the path with that. We had functional prototypes, the whole concept, and then COVID V1 hit. And we kind of took a pause and then decided, all right, this is a moment, but it's probably not going to change the world forever. People started going back to work. We regained confidence. And then when COVID V2 happened and the people that had gone back to work got sent home again, we really recognized that we needed to pivot out of that. The good news is we created a tremendous amount of IP during that journey. So from 2018 to 2021, 2021 we were hyper-focused on that kind of first version of the, mod, of the business. In January of 2021, we pivoted and we took the IP that we had created for that and very naturally moved it into a direct-to-consumer business. We did that on, with confidence because during that that whole cycle of those three years, we were constantly in a fundraising cycle. And those investors actually just loved the popcorn. They honestly loved it. And, and what we didn't realize is we were sitting on a business that we didn't even know we had. And so it gave us the confidence that if we just took that popcorn product to market, 
that we would probably be quite successful. And so in January of 2021, we did our, you know, I guess every company has one. We did our first really significant pivot and we fixated entirely on these flavor wrap kernels. And the technology behind that flavor wrap kernel is super simple. You know, we use a confectionery technique similar to how a peanut M&M is made. We tumble those kernels in the flavor that they're going to need to pop. So all of those kernels are flavored before you pop them. The advantage that gives the customer is that that flavor is hyper-concentrated on those kernels. When it gets into the heat, that flavor kind of melts down into a soup at the bottom of our popping vessel. And as those kernels bloom, they pull that flavor up with them into the bowl and the distribution of flavor through that bowl is just unbelievable. And it's actually shocking, even for us at the company, that we can make popcorn this good. And I'm saying that with full, full humble. You know, I, I mean that like sincerely. When we started making our own popcorn, we were just like, holy cow, this stuff is so good. And it just really gave us confidence to take this to market. And then having those investors give us that same feedback was was really what we needed to kind of get our hearts and heads around this pivot. Does that make sense? Makes total sense. So, you know, you talked about the flavor wrap kernels, um, but you also have things like pop tops. You have your own machinery that you've created. Like talent is a big part of predicting the turn. And as we talk about talent, I wanted to mention one of our sponsors, Hunt Club. Imagine the power of the best marketers in the world helping you to find your next marketing leader. That's the power of Hunt Club. Hunt Club is a new category of talent company that powers the network of experts, connectors, and business leaders to help you find the best talent. Let's face it, recruiting hasn't changed with the times. Hunt Club is changing the recruiting game by leveraging technology and crowdsource referrals to find you the best people possible for your company. Stop paying job boards that don't work or recruiting firms that recycle the same active candidates. Partner with Hunt Club. What led you down the path of these kind of proprietary innovations? And how do you maintain that lead of not having somebody else just duplicate the same same path? I mean, I learned very early on in my entrepreneurial journey that you're never going to own everything forever. I think there was the Bear Bryant, the famous football coach, offered, you know, any team that was playing him, he offered them the playbook and said, you can have our playbook, but you'll never run the plays as good as we will. And so at some point as an entrepreneur, you have to have confidence. You just really have to believe in your team. And it comes down to execution. Could what we're doing be replicated? Yeah. I mean, I, it would take people a while to figure it out. I mean, it's very proprietary what we're doing, but I don't live in that world of fear. We love what we're doing. We think it makes sense for our brand. And we also think it makes sense to self-manufacture. The complexity of what we're doing just wouldn't work at a co-packing environment where most startups go. So, you know, if Sarah, who's the president of the company, was on this call, she would tell you the the heartache that she had trying to talk me out of this self-manufacturing path. But it's just who I am. I mean, I just, you know, I to, to wind this back and give you a little more backstory on me, you know, I grew up in this farming family. Farming is the ultimate entrepreneurial journey. Farmers start over every year. Most people don't even think of it that way. You know, they, they, they basically have a business that cycles every year. 
you know, and they get a little performance report. How did you do? And then they take that proceeds and then they invest it in the next year and it kind of builds on itself. And that farming psychology of, you know, honing your skills, making this a craft, understanding what you're doing. Obviously farmers are out there competing with each other, just like entrepreneurs. And yet the best farmers every single year seem to excel because of the craftsmanship and the way they, the way they do this. And we took a lot of that to heart. And it's just the way I was brought up was to not shy away from those heavy workloads. You know, it, yes. Was it harder to do it this way? Absolutely. Is it riskier? Totally. But we wouldn't to, to do it any other way. We would have to sacrifice the quality of that product. And that's something we weren't willing to do. When we invented the pop cups, the only reason we invented those was to reflect the growing distribution needs uh, that are in the, in, the, in the retail channels. We needed something that was more durable to ship inside of, let's say, I don't know, a, a DoorDash kind of environment. And although we're not in those worlds yet, we couldn't get in them at all with uh, flavor wrap kernels because the reality is our product, very similar to a candy bar, will melt at certain temperatures. And so through the summer months, we have a temperature vulnerability that we ensure in the shipping with, you know, ice packs and stuff like that. And so, you know, it's not a problem when you're shipping and it doesn't, it certainly doesn't need to be refrigerated when you get home because room temperature is fine. It's just during that shipping cycle. So we needed a secondary product that had the same flavor attributes. And so we decided to make these pop cups and it's been insanely popular. Actually, we, we thought that we would launch them with and run, we, we built a proprietary machine that builds these uh, pop cups. And we thought we'd run that machine two to three times a week. We actually, since we launched, we've been running five days a week. And in a lot of weeks, uh, we've been running two shifts on those machines. We actually just launched our second machine two weeks ago to help with the workload. And so now they're back to single shifts, but it's, it was a fast growing product. And it, and it required a special kind of, I guess, solution to make it work. And I, again, it goes back to that building that team. We're surrounded, literally the, the two guys that build that, they are genius level engineers. We actually priced it out. We were going to outsource the whole product, but it came down to um, the skill sets and actually being close enough to have the, to actually understand what we're trying to make. It's very hard to outsource that. And so those engineers, decided to in-house it and they fabricated and programmed this entire platform themselves. And I'm super proud of them. I mean, it's an insanely uh, successful product for us. So you talked about the inspiration behind why you did pop cups because of the retail environment. Talk a little bit about all these amazing flavors that you have. What's the inspiration behind each of them and how do you decide what's going to ultimately be one you release out to the world? So I have a fundamental belief, and I think Brad does too, if he was on this call with us, that popcorn brands, you're going to be judged on your butter flavor. That's just, that's just a fact. And so we knew, we knew that we had to win with butter, no matter what. And so we spent, and I'm really not even kidding, probably the better part of a year formulating our personal recipe. It's hundreds of versions uh, with slight tweaks here and there. There's a massive amount of investment. And I think any flavor house will tell you this. Uh, and I had no idea getting into this, how complex developing a flavor is. I think I just took it for granted when I eat something 
how good it tastes is just like, you know, I don't know who I was giving that success to, but I was just not thinking of how complex it is. Now that we're in it, those flavors, the portfolio that we have are really specifically designed to give a broad spectrum of choices to our customers as they enter our brand. And so the normal inbound route into the Opalot brand is to purchase a discovery kit. And that discovery kit comes with the bowl, which you'll need to cook the popcorn. And then it comes with seven sachets, six are flavored. One is just lightly salted, which technically is a flavor, but that's a test sachet for you to test your microwave. And what that gives the customer is kind of this spectrum of flavor to go experience. And, you know, there's stuff in there that you would expect like a good butter uh, and the lightly salted. I mean, those are like, you know, mainstays in the, in the popcorn category, but then there's more interesting flavors like salted umami. Maui heat is actually our, as uh, our second best selling flavor. And it's, you know, it's a wild combination that I had never tried and I didn't actually think would taste good. If someone had just come up to me and said, Hey, do you want to try a, a cayenne and pineapple flavored popcorn? I probably would have passed <laughs> to be totally honest. But when you try it, you're like, Holy cow, this is so good. And so, you know, we're just blessed. We have a very talented team. Alec Hopkins joined our company. Sarah recruited him out of General Mills. He had a 20 plus year career there. He's extremely talented and, uh, you know, I don't want to minimize him into one, eight, one thing. He's actually a brilliant, I guess he's a brilliant engineer, quite honestly. He helps us across the entire spectrum and he owns those flavor signatures. He's developed them. He's worked with the best flavor houses on the planet. And it was the only reason that we could work with those flavor houses as a startup is because Sarah and, um, Alec came from General Mills. They had those relationships and it gave us a huge advantage. So as I'm wandering around this answer, it really comes back to, we wanted to have the full spectrum of flavors. So, you know, the sweet, the spicy, the savory. And as we introduce new flavors, we're really trying to follow the unexpected path. So our latest flavor was wasabi, another huge success for us. Uh, we'll probably you know, our goal was to sell out of the first run and then kind of retire it for a while. And we might bring it back in the holidays, but that's the way we do this. The, the salted caramel was a flavor that we invented for the holidays last year. It was so, so popular that we ended up bringing it back in the pop cups. And then occasionally we'll bring it back as a flavor rep kernel because people just love that flavor so much. And, you know, so I don't, I don't know that we necessarily look through any one lens about how we're going to develop a flavor, but what we want to do is kind of go down a path and always be driving towards the unexpected. Like, I don't think there's another wasabi flavored popcorn out there. There's certainly not a microwave version. There might be a post flavored version, but that was a big risk until you taste it. And then you're like, wow, this is significantly better than I thought. And I actually took it to two of the most prestigious sushi restaurants here in Denver and had their head chefs try it just to give us some feedback. And they, they loved it. They actually wanted it to be more spicy. And, you know, we might make a spicier version of this in the future. But we just, you know, we kept the spice level pretty tolerable uh, so that it had a wider audience. 
you, you talked about when you're at Beats by Dre with Apple Music, you saw this amazing expansion of growing so fast. And, yeah. you know, since you guys launched, you know, in 2017, you're starting to see that same amazing growth. When you talk about your founding team, the people that really were alongside you as you launched this business in 2017, how do you keep that same energy as you bring on new people, add new folks on the manufacturing to get that same sense of ownership that your whole team has had over the last four years? So I was trained. I've been so lucky. Honestly, I've had really great mentors, Dave. Uh, like my dad was a great mentor to me. A lot of my early, um, uh, in my agency experience, either clients or um, people that I bring in to help like freelancers became mentors to me. And they really coached me up. And one of the most important things that I learned was that the speed of the leader will ultimately be the speed of the team. And I think that simple little advice is everything. You know, that passion, passion is just infectious. And I just truly believe that when you show up every day, you operate in integrity, you share the praise, you know, and, and you make it about the greater good then that's pretty easy to buy into when you're self-serving and you want, it's all about yourself. I think, I think it just becomes distasteful. That's been my personal experience. I've been on both sides of this. I've been an employee. I've been an investor and I can just tell you the companies or the, or the brands that I think have always done the best had a certain charisma in the leadership that just carried the expectations of performance with it. And then what happens is when the new person joins, uh, whether they're, you know, may, let's just say they're having a rough patch or something, then there's a team around them that explains, Hey, this is what's kind of expected around here. And it kind of self manages. I'm not saying we haven't made poor hires and we haven't had to replace some people along the way, but those things identify themselves really quick and we're able to move on and make sure we maintain that, that energy that that we're talking about or that you're asking about, but it is an art. I mean, I, I, and by the way, I'm not perfect at it. I have terrible days. Uh, I bring bad energy into the office or I am struggling with some part of something and, you know, people can tell. And so I, you know, I, I take it on and a personal commitment to myself to be self-aware and to try to elevate my own energy so that it translates appropriately. If I'm nervous, the team's going to be nervous. So, you know, I try to, you know, chin up and take on the big challenges with the team. You know, outside of the the day-to-day job with Open Pop, you're also a mentor, an investor, and a board member. What's the number one piece of advice you give to the young entrepreneurs that you work with that are following on the entrepreneurial journey? I give a question that was asked to me, not quite as bluntly as I ask it, but I think it's the number one thing, especially in an entrepreneurial version. And it's super simple. If someone came to me with an idea, Hey, Jonas, I am thinking about doing this. No matter what I think of it, I just simply ask one question. Why would anyone care? And it's such a brutal question, but it's really honest. Why would anyone care? And if you can't answer that, then you probably don't have the right. It could be a great idea, but you may be doing it for the wrong reasons. And so if you can get really clear on why someone would care, 
then I think, I think you probably can manifest a business out of that because if you care and if you can translate that care, cause that's all we do when we build brands, right? You've never heard of Opal pop, but now I am, I have, you know, our marketing or something that we're doing is making you curious about it. You start to care, like what is going on here? And, oh, you might give it a try. You might say, Hey, I'll give it one shot. But I will tell you of the people that give us one shot over 40%, actually 42% last month continue buying. And so that first shot is really important because that is where you answer that question. Did they care enough to come back? And I learned that in the restaurant industry, actually, my, one of my great friends, he and his family are some of the largest Taco Bell franchisees in the United States. And he and I did a restaurant together a few years ago. And he always told me the secret to a restaurant is to have one dish that someone will come back for no matter what. You don't need everything to be good. You literally need one dish. So, and when I really looked at all the restaurants that you would assume would fail, like those little corner burger joints and stuff like that, they don't fail because they have either the French fries that people love, or they have the burger cooked the exact way that people want it and they'll go back for it. And so when we built this brand, that's what we told ourselves. And especially with those flavors, would anybody want this a second time? Like that's a hard, I mean, when you actually lay it down like that, that's a really hard thing to live up to. And so, you know, those experiences, and they might be one off, like maybe, maybe of the seven flavors we shipped you, maybe three of them weren't your favorite and you would never want them again, but there's four other ones that caught your attention. And so what we, what we see happen is that people exit out of that discovery kit and they start buying our big bags to stock their pantry. And so that, that advice simplified down, why would anyone care manifests itself in our little business very clearly. And I actually think it's great advice. It feels a little brutal the way I word it, but I think it's just to shorten the, the cycle, you know, because I think in my experience in, in being an entrepreneur, that's about all the time you get from anyone anyway. And Dave, I'm sure you've seen that too in your experience, you know, like if I go pitch this business to an investor, they might give me 30 minutes of their busy day. So I have to somehow convey why they should care in those 30 minutes. And you can't possibly do the job without boiling these things down to their most simple attributes. So for Overpop, it's about disrupting popcorn. It's about bringing passion, design, an attitude back to the category, making it fun again, creating what we call opportunities or more opportunities to have our popcorn. We understand day parts. We look at the restaurant industry and say, how are they programming? And then we align our flavors against some of that. So the sweet flavors, you know, they're probably kind of pre-lunch snacks. Kind of bre- we jokingly call it breakfast popcorn. And then you get into the afternoon and you might want more savory things. And so, you know, the, there's times of days that we study, but we, gent- we literally call them opportunities. And that, that construct gives us the lens of which to try to build awareness of when you should be eating this popcorn. And it's as simple as that. I love that. Well, that is a perfect point to uh, end on. So appreciate you taking the time to share the journey. It's an amazing one throughout the career, but uh, with the latest to disrupt and re-innovate what uh, popcorn looks like. Thanks, man. I appreciate your time. Thank you. 
Thanks so much for listening. If you like the show, hit that rating and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And for more resources, head over to predictingtheturn.com.